What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a new year, and I have a new podcast here at The Ringer, Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi. Austin and I go way back and talk so much hoop already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on all of these conversations. Every week, Pasha and I will hit on the biggest stories happening in the league and get Austin's perspective of someone currently hooping in the NBA. Tap into Off Guard every Friday on The Ringer NBA Show feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Shout out to that guy, yes. The Oh my goodness. It's professional wrestling. Stay mage and enjoy yourself. Wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, the world's number one sports and recreation podcast, Cheap Heat, is back Tuesday, November 14th. Yeah. Wow. I mean, listen, I'll put it this way. It's so Thanksgiving season that I think the second I finish this podcast, I have to record these Thanksgiving bars. Well, let's go. I think that's how that's where we are. We are literally all up in Thanksgiving season. Hard, hard to complain about the weather here in the Northeast because it really did give us a pretty long autumn. I really can't complain about it, even though I want to, now that it's feeling like chilly, chilly. But, like, if you get a run until mid-November without it ever really being cold, I think that's a, a win. Yeah, big plus. Big plus. And, and yeah, shout I, out I, to you for giving the people what they need, you know, and this well, is coming from the guy who does Greg History Week. But the season leading into your Thanksgiving bars is the most wonderful time of year before the most wonderful time of year. I got to say. I believe the I appreciate that. It is. You know what it is? Because it signifies we're about to not be working. Right. That's right. why. Listen, guys, this is why Thanksgiving is the number one holiday, in my opinion. Because... It gives you a legitimate four-day weekend, right? And it's not a holiday time that requires presence. It doesn't require, you know, vacation, so to speak. And I say that say, to say, like, there are people out there like myself who I enjoy time off. I don't always want to go away. Right. Thanksgiving right. gives you just the time off. It's just eating and football and a hang. And like, but I don't have to go leave the world. It's not like a whole, you know, like like winter break, you go on vacation, you come back, you feel like, damn, I'm back in the hall till summer. Right. It it's just Thanksgiving. Oh, that's another thing. Thanksgiving not only gives you the four day weekend, it also is like, oh, and in three weeks we get vacation again. Exactly. And you and you hit the nail on the head earlier, or you alluded to it. You show up to Thanksgiving, you bring your favorite thing along. If you love a sweet potato pie, you bring it along. Bring That's it. good. If you love a bottle or whatever, bring it along. That's good. Christmas, you got to show up with presents for everybody. You got to overthink it. Thanksgiving is the very, is the, you come as you are, and then when you get there, you sit down, you enjoy your meal, you enjoy football. 
you enjoy some good chats with people you probably haven't seen in a while. Come on. Perfect holiday. The perfect holiday. Yeah, it's 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 got everything. It's 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 unbeatable. And the people yeah. who are on like that, you know, I don't like turkey. All right, well, don't eat the turkey. There's nine other things to eat. Right. Yeah. Like, come on. Everyone, it's almost like eat it's what become you, so Eat what tr- you bought. You should have bought something. Yeah, like eat like everyone, is. it's so trendy now to get in the whole, I don't like turkey. First of all, you're overstating it. Turkey, if it's done right, can be delicious, just to be clear. Exactly. Like, uh, and stop disrespecting your moms by saying you don't like turkey. You putting her dry turkey on blast. Is yeah, what you're because because and, and and if you're struggling with cooking the big turkey, which I get, I'm gonna tell you right now, go to your grocery store and just buy yourself the turkey breast that's already from the bird, right? And just chuck that joint in the oven. Way right. less and you, work, and it'll come out juicy and delicious. And if you're too lazy to do that, I guarantee. Your favorite delicious chicken spot also has delicious other poultries. Like Popeyes will hook you up with a turkey. But you have <laughs> you to cook that I mean? still. But that requires you, still have to you cook can it, still watch I mean, that. They did you most can still of the work. Fully they that. did most of the work already. No, well, they they did and they didn't. You know what I mean? Like if you sit down, if you go get your Popeyes fried turkey <laughs> and you just pull it up to your house, you're gonna sit down and have a frozen turkey. Okay. <laughs> so you do have to fully defrost it and cook it. So that there's opportunity to destroy that. But but they yeah, set you up nice. You can't. No, it, it's set, set up. up it's nice. set up nice for you. But I'm telling you, a couple years ago, Natalie and I didn't do the turkey, and we well, we really killed it that year. That year, we got, we actually got Popeye's delicious fried chicken on Thanksgiving. Ooh. We had Thanksgiving full sides with Popeye's fried chicken as the meat. It was slim. <sighs> but then, the next day, I was like, kind of want to have like turkey though. So I went to Fairway. I just copped a little turkey breast, brought it home. Yo, man, that thing came out so juicy. Sliced it up. I can tell you're still it, thinking. About you. What? Yo, we put it on the put it on the biscuits. We had the Popeyes biscuits. Put some turkey mm. on it, some cranberry, some stuffing. Mm. Yo, I'm telling you that turkey breast is is the real the real jump off. So. Uh, I say all a, that I'm to getting say. a lump in my throat, like one of those emotional cry lumps for how you making me think about how how good those Thanksgiving meals can be when you get it all done right. Are you are you um, are you guys hosting in in Casa del Greg this year? Are you guys going somewhere else? I think we're going somewhere else. You, what we usually do is we go on the tour. We go we go. Oh, visit that's right. Her I forgot. Family in Queens, and then go see my moms in Harlem, and then and then we come back. So we're gonna probably do the tour again again this year. Um. All right, so we're all excited for the holidays. Now, one yeah. thing that we are excited about. Before we about, get off the holidays, though, too, I saw a meme floating around. Oh. And I'm, I'm, I'm issuing this challenge to all the Cheap Heat listeners who see this meme. Okay? Mm-hmm. It says, Dear people that complain about Christmas music being played too early, I don't see y'all writing any Thanksgiving tunes. When you see that meme, you let them know that every year. That's a great point. Our podfather Rosenberg comes through with Thanksgiving Thank bars and you drop Thank that you. link Thank and you, you let them know that the Thanksgiving tunes come every year and there's more tunes to come. So don't you don't you disrespect and say there's no Thanksgiving tunes because we, we bless it up every year for y'all. Thank you. I really I appreciate that. And let me tell you something else. I actually believe that the Christmas music and the this year I'm even feeling like the Christmas decorations. Yo, man. Bust them out for Thanksgiving, bro. I I now get it. I now get it. And to me, it's not about sleeping on Thanksgiving. It's about extending Christmas time. Because right. as we get older and time goes fast, you get out of Christmas, you come back to work that following week. It's like the twenty seventh. Mm-hmm. Yo, that's like it's like three weeks, and 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 the joint's over. So I understand. You already have family coming for Thanksgiving. Uh, yo, this year on Thanksgiving, I'm hitting some Christmas music. I- I'm getting the vibe right early <laughs> because I-, I deserve it and I enjoy it. And honestly, Thanksgiving and Christmas, they do go together. We're not going to sit here and act like they're not country cousins. Listen, they're the holidays. They are the holidays. They are the holidays. There are other holidays, but when people think of the holidays, it's... Great point. Thanksgiving. Wow. And then their December holiday that they celebrate. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Hold on. It might yes. be Kwanzaa. It might be Hanukkah. 
might be Christmas. It might be Festivus. But it's not the holidays unless it's Thanksgiving. And, no, no, listen. You know? when you, you just said the realest thing you've ever said. When people say the holidays are coming, what they really mean are the two big daddies. That's right. Thanksgiving and... Um, all right, speaking of the holidays, the the Iron Claw is coming out in December, right before the holidays. Big Christmas release. And I was um, a little bit, you know, confused about whether or not I should go to the screening that they had in New York last night on account of the fact that I'm, I was looking forward to seeing it at Christmas. Like, it really felt like, this is a Christmas time movie. Like it's a, it's one of those. Not that it, not that it's not in the theme is Christmas, of course, but right. they're going for it. Like we're dropping it Christmas season, like big. yeah, like we want to be one of those serious movies people see at the holidays, and I wanted to support that um, and enjoy the experience that way. But when when our guy Kyle Dub told us that there's a screening in on the Upper West Side at 7 o'clock. Literally, it's a theater that I walk past between work and home. <laughs> right. I'm like, ah, I think I got to see it early. So uh, the folks at A24 had a screening for, for it, it, looked, it was generally for like media media. Yeah. Um, but then so a shout bunch out to of, us for being on the list with, with the media media. Yeah, well, the, I think it was, like, it was media media, then they made room for like wrestling dorks, you know, who are going to talk about it more or less. Right. Yeah. Cause like, I, I think it was a smart play by them because you have the other people there to review it and things like that. But then you had the people there who are just going to be hyped about it. You know what I mean? And right. are just like, like all of us, everyone's just posting on their stories and spreading the word of this film. So it, it was a smart play by them. But, uh, the aforementioned Cal was in there, uh, uh, SGG's in there. Uh, super producer Brian Waters was in there. Um, call me you. Sam and Hot Sam Dogs, was in there, obviously. Yeah. Miss Hatton was in the building. Um, and many other greats and near greats of the wrestling adjacent industry. I didn't realize, you know, Ange Gold was in the building. Ange Gold was in the, like I said, wrestling adjacent. <laughs> He's now wrestling adjacent. And he certainly this podcast adjacent. Probably hasn't heard an episode since 2017. Um, but this movie is very loaded for me to go into. Like, I, yeah. I am a big Von Erichs fan, big time, and love this story. And as I've said before in the podcast, I always hope to maybe produce something about the Von Erichs one day because it's a story that, like, is so obviously needed to be told. So uh, I, the word I'm getting is they have an embargo on reviews. They don't. In a perfect world, they don't want us getting into specific scenes, like breaking it down in review form. But I'll just ask each of you guys, uh, starting with you, SUG, how you felt about it. What was your takeaway? Are you giving the holiday time recommendation for people to see the Iron Claw? Absolutely giving the holiday time recommendation for people to see the Iron Claw. Because uh, like you said, we were there with, at least in our section, a lot of wrestling nerds and aficionados. And I felt like I was very, you know, knowledgeable about the Von Erich story. And even I walked away with some nuggets and some things that I didn't know that I looked back and, and researched after. And it, it's not something that I could just chalk up to like a Hollywood dramatization. Like these are, there's things in this story <laughs> that you're going to learn, even if you feel like you know everything about the Von Erichs, on top of it being just like a really good movie and like well-told story. Brian, super producer Brian Water. Yes, sir. Your thoughts? Just like SGG said, like just being able to see things play out, it puts a different perspective on it. Um, I, you know, a little bit younger. So like by the time, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the brothers had already passed away by the time I was born. And growing up, I was... Um, a Texas Tornado fan, like, in my childhood. And I always thought, like, oh, he would have been probably one of my guys. But watching so many documentaries, you see one perspective, but to see it play out in a movie, I found myself connecting with different characters 
mm. you know, without going to specifics, but I found myself connected with different characters. So I thought it was well done. Um, but you could also just see the passion, uh, especially like during the Q and A session. You could see the passion that the actors had portraying uh, these wrestlers. I was I was annoyed that I I had to leave and miss the uh, Q and A. Um, were they all there for the Q and A? I know Carrie uh, was there. Was Kevin there? Kevin was there. Carrie was there, and Mike. Yep, and, and the Mike mother. was there. I yeah, saw I, I saw Mike and Carrie on my way out. Uh, shook their hands, told them they were fantastic, and then I had to keep it moving. Um, but I got to tell you, here's what I think was. Here's what I think was really tremendous. Uh, Kevin Von Erich, who's played by Zac Efron, the, the movie's told through Kevin's perspective. And for people who pay attention to wrestling or care enough, I guess, to pay attention to Von Erichs, I think, no, Kevin's a weird, you know, seen as a weird guy. And obviously there's mul multiple reasons for that. Of course, he's been through incredible trauma. But also... He's just a weird guy. And like that is something that has always been known about Kevin Von Erich. So when I heard the story was kind of going to be through Kevin's eyes, um, it's sort of like, I was like, huh, I wonder how that's going to be. And I think the best thing about the movie, there are a few things I can say really glowingly about it, but one thing is it managed to be like they made his character weird. They managed to make the Kevin Von Erich character both the character you relate to and that you're watching through his eyes and also make clear he's an odd duck, too, and he's his own dude. Like, he always moved in his own way. And, in fact, him moving in an odd way and being his own kind of guy may have been the thing that allowed him to evade the Von Erich curse. You know what yeah. I mean? That he wasn't like the rest. He there was something different from very early on about him. I just thought they did a good job with like Zach Efron feels weird in the character. Like from the beginning, like they they make clear he's just not. And that to me that was so awesome because if you'd watched it, they could have easily botched it. And because he's the one who's still around to tell the story, he ends up coming off as the normal coolest. They didn't try to make him carry. They let Carrie right. be Carrie. And they let Kevin be Kevin. And I, I thought that was I thought it was really well done. I also gotta say, guys, you know, I, I really care a lot about the way people portray old school territory wrestling. Cause when they do it in films generally, even when it's done well, it's not done well. Yo, know, the wrestling scenes were so good to me. Yeah. Like, yeah, basically man. perfect. Like, it basically <laughs> felt like watching wrestling matches. I I really, I mean, obviously people can nitpick and will, understandably. The characters who we know in real life, there's a Ric Flair, there's a Harley Race, like, there are people you see. But I'm not even talking about that. When it gets to the actual in the sportatorium, in arena wrestling vibe, they crushed it. Crushed yeah. it. Yeah, man. And I don't want to venture too far into review territory, but the Sportatorium is one of the Von Erics in this movie. Like it is a it is a full character. It's fleshed out. It goes through the ups and downs with the family and you see it visually is dope. Super dope. Brian, you were gonna say? Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, I can't wait till the embargo's lifted because it's by you being such a Von Eric fan, it's things that I wanna like pick your brain about um about this movie because like it was so good from my perspective um and like you said just the sportatorium being a character um texas stadium and i think people forget how big texas stadium was uh but just also just seeing um just seeing like and reading stuff where the actor said they have a different perspective on wrestling. And like you talked about the wrestling moves being executed, um, well, just the wrestling being well, how they have a different perspective and transforming their bodies to be, because they, they took bumps. Yeah, and I mean, boy, yo, Zac Efron, more than Jeremy Allen White, with all due respect, Zac Efron really got himself into Von Erich shape. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. He, he actually looked, 
he looked body wise, he got to looking like later day Kerry Von Erich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did. I mean, which is which is crazy to get in that level of shape because Texas Tornado Kerry was a a friggin' giant. Um so yeah, and I'll just say this, you know, in, in close I, I love the music. Listen, it's bittersweet for me. And like, not to say, like, I don't want to be so ridiculous as to say, like, I was going to get something done because maybe it never would have happened. But it's bittersweet because, like, I'm talking to people who didn't know the story and they're like, oh my God, this story. And I'm like, yeah, I know. That's why I always wanted to tell it because it's <laughs> that good. And and yeah. people who don't know the story are going to be going, oh my God, I didn't know the story, which is why it, it sticks out so much. But there was one part in the film where I remember thinking, you know, this movie's been great, but considering how emotional I am about this subject to start, I really haven't been that deep in my feels. Um, and I guess that would probably be my critical note. I, I I wish it was longer so you could have connected with the characters a little bit more. But I will say the second I had a moment of thinking, man, I'm not even that emotional. They hit me upside the head, had your boy out here in the feels, boy. I mean, I was down. And P, it wasn't just you. I like I, I took a moment to look around the room and I saw a lot of this, a lot of a lot of a lot of that. Oh, Which they is, they I, got you. I was that sort of spot. expecting it. Like I was like, sure. But to actually see it, I was just like, okay, mission <laughs> mission accomplished. Bravo. No, mission accomplished. It, it, when it hits you, oh, it's going to hit you. You think you're going to escape. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. think you're like, oh, this was bad, but I'm going to be all right. And then they come with this one scene. Woo, man. Interesting. It was really, really good. You know, we could do a full episode about this, but I figure we'll wait till Christmas when you guys have seen it and have yeah. more of a conversation. And realistically, I mean, I, I think it's probably safe to say that of the peckerheads who listen to Cheap Heat, I'd say 90% are already going to see this movie, but this should knock yeah. it up to 100. Um, yeah. This this is, uh, yeah, it's definitely worth seeing. And it's definitely Hopefully worth bringing. Hopefully we get some of those guys to come on and and, and break it down with us. Yeah, uh, there are a lot of good performances. Yo, the dude who played Fritz was pretty awesome. Yeah. He, he, was, he was really, really good. Um, but anyways, so shout out to the Iron Claw. That's coming in December. SGG, there's a lot of chatter this week about the week that was in in professional wrestling. I mean, I'm even hearing people talking about liking consecutive episodes of Monday Night Raw. We got a we got a Drew McIntyre turn of sorts yesterday. I mean, I guess turn would be too much because yeah. he still could have like babyface justification to be mad at Jay Uso. And he does, right? He's been telling us, like, let's look, Jay. He's like, I should be champion right now, which is a stretch because it was like a year ago. So he probably would have lost the title. But like, come on, Drew. He's like, I could be champion right now if it wasn't for Jay Uso robbing me and his family and what they took away from me multiple times. And it's like, you know, I can I can get jiggy with that. I can understand being upset about feeling like an opportunity was taken away from you. And Cody said it earlier in the episode too. Yesterday, he said, "The enemy of my enemy." is my friend. So Jey Uso is his enemy right now. Jey Uso just happens to be surrounded by his other friends. But are they his friends if they wouldn't? Well, so that's that's the question is, will this, where will this go? We, we just saw in the same episode of Raw, Drew and Seth have a respectful moment. And Drew's like, Drew, see, this is what's interesting. Drew gave him the big old baby face bar of like, hey, man, I'm going to do what I always do. I'm going to work my ass off and get back in the line and get a title shot. And Seth's like, I know you will, big man, and just kind of walks off. And then, end of the show, here comes Drew, Claymore to Jey Uso, injecting himself in this War Games situation. So I guess SGG, the, the question really is, does this continue with Drew McIntyre ending up involved in the judgment day story and didn't Rhea make an offer recently like a to drew mcintyre about being a part of judgment day she did it was rejected as far as i know but i mean 
we all know what a handshake means, right? It means we're on the same page. At the very least, it means that there's love right there. So, <laughs> you know, he shook her hand to close out Raw after doing what he did to Jay Uso. So it, I feel like he has to be inserted into that Judgment Day that Judgment Day match with the baby faces. Now, does that mean that the baby faces have somebody else that they can call to fill a fifth spot if Drew takes a fifth spot? Um, I don't know, but Drew definitely inserted himself into that. And that's just on the men's side of things where it's interesting, right? Because on the women's side of things, damage control has exploded to now, what, five people? Because Dakota joined, and then Asuka seemingly joined, and... And the funny thing about that is while we're wondering, is Drew in Judgment Day? On the other side of it, fans are wondering now, is Bailey out of damage control? Because she didn't seem to be looped in on any of the happenings in terms of uh, Kyrie coming back or Asuka being ready to join up. The thing is, though, she when, when SmackDown ended, she sure found a way to look happy with Asuka being there. With damage control. Yeah. I really hope this doesn't lead to the end of Bailey and damage control because I'm not ready for babyface Bailey yet. Listen, man, it might. She's going to have to be thugging and hugging again because it, it might be the end of her and damage control. But not to not to bounce back and forth, but is it also going to be the end of, <laughs> of Damian Priest in Judgment Day? Like, there's so many questions swirling around, right? Because he declared himself to be the leader. And I don't know if they were feeling that. Yeah, I don't know either. But I do like the idea of a big women's faction to run roughshod. That could be cool. But yep. but SUG, with all these different things going on, how do we not get a Survivor Series match? Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. Like, the women's match hasn't been declared a War Games match quite yet, which is why I'm hoping I'm holding out hope that with them having such a hot storyline, they put the Survivor Series traditional match on that one, and then they sort of anchor it like that, right? Um, but I could very well see that being a War Games match. Yeah, I I really, it'll probably end up being War Games, and we'll probably get no Survivor Series match. I, I'm just still miffed by it. I mean, maybe I'm the only yeah. one out here clamoring for a traditional Survivor Series match. Oh, speaking of which. Mail. Brian wrote us and said, Happy Thanksgiving, sweet potato Pete, artichoke dip, and SG gravy. If <laughs> WWE wants to make Survivor Series really feel like Survivor Series again, they need to go back to the old format and make it more of a lead into the Rumble. Survivor Series was always different because it was a full gimme pay per view, nothing but traditional Survivor Series matches. I thought they did it best in 1990. When the five elimination matches led to one final ultimate match of survival with all the guys that survived their early matches, faces versus heels. They can do the same thing now, except the big finale match is a war games. Then the winners of war games get put into a match against each other the next night on Raw or at the next PLA PLE where the winner gets number 30 in the Rumble. I think this would make Survivor Series feel like something different again and make it feel like more of the big four. I some version of that. Yes. Yeah, I don't hate the I don't hate the if you survive, you go into war games deal. Me neither. I don't. I, I just again, why make this like a why make this a a PLE in name only? Like Survivor Series is cool. It has cachet. Even if you don't want to make it the entire card. I just find it weird to sort of toss it out. Uh, I love the idea, too, especially now. This is going to be the second year in a row where there's nothing between Survivor Series and the Royal Rumble. Yeah. So if there's no PLE between Survivor Series and the Royal Rumble, why don't you do something at Survivor Series to lead us into the Royal Rumble? Because apparently it's all part of the wrestlemania pipeline by the way wrestling really wrestling really does make time go too fast (laughs) because you're sitting here at survivor series and you're just getting into winter the weather's just getting cold and the event that it all culminates with is when you're coming out of the cold weather and it's springtime 
And it feels like we it's, were just it's, it's in It's like Hollywood a season too. and a half. No, it really is. It really is, man. I appreciate it, though. And I, I do miss those days when, like, I think about Brock and Goldberg, right? Where, like, they were both champions and crossed paths at Survivor Series. Nothing really happened. Then they had a moment in the Rumble. And then Mania, neither one of them are champions. And they have a clash going at WrestleMania 20. They need to do more of that. More of those little teases that build up and build up until they combust at WrestleMania. I, I dig that idea. Um, I really, I really do. I think that would be, I think that'd be a lot of fun. But I'm not. Again, I'm going to try not to hold my breath because it just doesn't seem like that's what's going on. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience—the formula for winning championships—is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED highlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. SGG, it happened. A lot of teasing for a very long time, but Santos and Rey Mysterio are donezo. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, got to say, I feel like if Rey Mysterio had a cooler head about things, this wouldn't be the case. Everybody's blaming Santos, but, you know, Rey Mysterio's the OG. He's supposed to calm it down and keep it. So you're saying once Santos turned up, he, once Santos turned up, Rey had a choice to calm it down but chose not to. Yeah, Ray Ray matched the energy instead of turning the temperature down, which ended up being a mistake. But it, it was Ray's mistake. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, are you looking forward to a potential Ray Mysterio Santos Escobar story, though? Yes, of course. I mean, anybody who's fought like, how many times have I said this? Even with them going back to NXT, I rock with Legado del Fantasma. And their thing when they first formed was they were was Santos taking off the mask, right? He he was uh, he was masked. His guys got kidnapped. Then he came out without the mask. He's going for Ray's mask, and that's a, that's always something that WWE had in the back pocket. People have always went for it. Nobody ever got it. I'm looking forward to them them building a feud around that. They could do the mask versus hair. There's a lot of different directions they could go. But he's coming for that mask. And that's a cheat code that always leads to something successful in wrestling. And it's a cheat code that they don't even need because Santos is also fantastic. I mean, Rey Mysterio is Rey Mysterio. And then Santos is somebody that could keep up with him in the ring. And they could tell a fantastic story in the ring. And they already have a fantastic story starting to build outside the ring. I'm, I'm absolutely looking forward to it. Um, I'm trying to think of what else happened on SmackDown that was major. Oh, LA Knight. Had a match with Grayson Waller. L.A. Knight sounds like he still wants business uh, with Jimmy Uso. Yep. Predictably. I don't know if that's what. I don't know if that's what we're gonna get. Um, but that's what it sounds like he wants. Did and I have to say did, Jimmy Uso? That phone call that he made to Roman Reigns was hilarious, and I, I mean, I don't know if he's intentionally being funny. I mean, I guess he is, right? They're, they're storytellers. Um, but I'm enjoying the comedy aspect of Jimmy Uso as Roman's number one henchman. Did you... Did you feel like L.A. Knight, when he came out on Friday Night SmackDown, anything changed since the loss to Roman Reigns? Did you feel a little zap? Like, ooh, doesn't feel quite the same. Did you feel like, oh, man, the, the crowd's motivated and excited? 
What what did it feel like when you heard that LA Knight hit? I feel like he's still getting the love from the live crowd. But for me personally, I gotta say, he he proved to be at least in the in the immediate week after, right? He proved to be the guy who didn't seem to be elevated or pushed up even a little bit um by the loss to Roman Reigns. Right? You know, you think about when Sammy lost to Roman Reigns, everybody was like, listen, we gotta change the WrestleMania plans now. <laughs> we need a triple threat. Da 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 da. KO loses to Roman Reigns and is always, you know, up at the top of the card. He's still somebody that's seen as a badass. And, you know, Jay Uso lost to Roman Reigns and became main event Jay Uso, not just in name only, but like he has the crowd rocking. He's got a new color on the back of his hair. He's got shirts that are selling like hotcakes, you know, and then LA Knight lost to Roman Reigns. And it's like he's at least on the same level that he was going into the match. And these other guys, you see clear elevation uh, from it. Even Logan Paul, right? Logan Paul loses to Roman Reigns. And the discourse that came out of that was, this guy's ready for a title. <laughs> you know? And that was last year. Maybe Can not the you? big one, but he's ready for a title. Can I tell you my my secret critique of, uh, of LA Knight? We've obviously heard Dip's thoughts. We know how what he has to say. Do you know what I think the biggest thing hindering LA Knight, if anything, is that could help take him to the next level? That he takes himself too seriously? Nope. Come on, our favorite wrestler of all time takes himself too seriously. Uh, I would say it's that I, I'm not feeling the BFT. Mm, yeah. Blunt Force Trauma, cool name, not a cool move. It's it's yeah. it's like a stunner without the stun. There, there's nothing there. It's 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 like he's pulling the guy down to the mat by his head. It just doesn't look popping. I, I would I would actually get out of it. I don't know how I would come if they could. They could work on it and come with something new for him, like immediately. I really think it could be a game changer because I just don't think the BFT is it. And they don't even have to change the name. They could keep Blunt Force Trauma as the name. Remember when Dean Ambrose, uh, John Moxley, aka Dean Ambrose, had the, the Dirty Deeds? It was a completely different move than it ended up being like the first time he showed up and the last time he showed up. And they never stopped calling it Dirty Deeds. Right, it because like it worked. It just the name the name didn't yeah. work, but the thing itself worked. No, the name worked, but the thing itself. I mean, didn't the work, thing so itself didn't it. work. The, right, the right, but the name did. BFT yeah, could I, become a completely different move, and we don't even have to worry about it. Yeah, it's um, it's a it's it's a slight thing, but it's kind of a big thing. Like if you really watch the matches that he wins. When he hits it, the crowd doesn't really ooh for it. Yeah. Brian Waters says he 1 million percent agrees. It's just, yeah, and just not hitting me like that. And I, I like him in ring generally, SGG. I think he's pretty good. I think so, too. I think so, too. But I, I got to say, even though our greatest wrestler of all time, our favorite wrestler of all time, I should say, does take himself too seriously, I feel like LA Knight in taking himself too seriously he takes him it takes him out of these things that would still push him up the card a little bit right like you know Bret Hart took himself really seriously but that meant like selling for people and like giving them a lot and like you know being vulnerable in the ring so that it elevated everything i feel like LA Knight takes himself so seriously that like there was one time when the crowd wanted to say yeah or like say his catchphrase and he was like don't say that because they didn't say it on his time. So, like, it pulls him out of these moments that are opportunities to connect. And then it causes just a little bit of a, not a disconnect, but, like, if you don't, eventually those moments are going to add up where, like, the crowd is just going to, he's going to become just another guy that was hot. And I feel like he has more potential than that. But, um, like, if he takes himself too seriously and, like, doesn't do, like, some of the comedy stuff, you know, like the Max Dupree, he wasn't feeling it, but it could have worked. It could have worked longer than it did. Um, so that's an interesting point. Things like that. 
That, that, that's listen. That's an interesting point. Um, I haven't noticed that as much, but yeah, you don't want that to be the case where you start getting so into your own ish that yeah, you take it entirely too seriously to to its detriment. Uh, I just think that for anyone I'm trying to think of who you know, you know, it's interesting. Because look, the crowd is buying the, the number, it, right? But like, the, I, I was about to say. The importance of a finishing move. But the number one guy in the game the last five years, I ah, doesn't have a doesn't have a move that people write home about. <laughs> we talk about Roman? Yeah. <laughs> he's got he's got the Superman punch, which is right. whatever. And then he's got a nice spear that we've seen fifty people have. Yeah. But like that's the thing, right? Like, there's these ingredients to greatness. But it's how you put it together. Like you almost yep. have to be like a chemist of sorts to say this much of this, this much of that. Cause yeah, sure, Roman can have a cooler move, but when he like sells and does the storytelling things in the match, like talks to the crowd, berates his opponent, you know, bullies the ref and do these things in the match that sort of makes him feel dominant. The dominance in the finisher comes from them laying down. You know what yeah. I mean? And then with Stone Cold too, like he didn't do any of that nonsense of of and bs so like he didn't have to bully the refs he didn't have to do anything he just fought and fought and fought and when he just had that last little burst of energy he stunned you and it looked like the most powerful thing because it it is the knockout punch right it is the thing that like the exclamation point on it you know the same thing with the sharpshooter it being a submission move allows you to see bret hart drain the life force out of his opponent before they finally tap so roman doesn't need the big thing but that's how you put it together. Well, but also most people just, you know, listen. I, I don't want to get into a whole thing with the uh, with the Roman Reigns community here, but <laughs> Roman Roman's greatness is unique. Not only in that his talent and his skill set is unique, but situationally it's unique. You know what I mean? He he. It's a it was a the perfect confluence of a bunch of different things that read led to this sort of epic run. For Roman Reigns. Generally, when you see someone get hot. Hi, Natalie. Do you have anything you want to say to the people? Hold on. Miss Hatton is here. Hey, guys. Did you miss me? Oh, wow. <laughs> no, I really, what I wanted to say is a uh, big shout out to SGG for hooking your girl up with those uh, napkins, those tissues, napkin. I told, I told you, you I, I was ready. I was very emotional last night. Yeah, you mean when he gave you that sandpaper-like napkins to rub <laughs> yeah, the Yeah, it kind of had Listen. a hint, a little smell of like delicious butter. It was perfect. <laughs> it was needed, though, in that moment. It's not how, <laughs> how would you rank it as far as a tearjerker for you? I mean, you're a big crier to start out with, Natalie. You're not going to like this take. You're not it's gonna, okay. I, I, you wanted to cry more. I wanted to cry from like middle to end, but I cried at the end. But I wanted to cry from middle to end. So. You were you were looking to cry. From I was looking to cry more, but then and then I was like, "Am I even gonna cry?" But then, don't say what happened. But then the scene happened, and you cried. And then the scene just kept kind of rolling in, because you know, towards the end, it's such a deep story that like you really need the time to kind of grow with the characters and see what they're going through and and see their bond with their you know with each other. So. All right, yeah. Well, don't give away more because we're going to do a whole episode in December about. I it. mean, the people. No, I mean. No, I'm not telling. They, they don't know everything. They don't know everything. <laughs> That's but true. They know the the people do know the end of the story. No, people know the end of the story. The Peckerheads. I mean, the Peckerheads. They know the. They know most of the story. Um. Hey, Nat. You want to take the dogs out to go to the bathroom? Do you hear that? Don't worry. I already took them out at seven. <laughs> We need to create some. We, we live on the first floor, so like we need to create. Some, but but the entrance is so far away. We have to like walk, basically yeah. a, a block and a half. It feels a block. Like, it, it does feel, to get out. It of does here. feel. It's a block. We need to like, like build some sort of slide or some sort of pulley situation where we hang the dog from the first. I know, baby. I, I know. I don't know if we're gonna be able to do yeah, that. So I'll do it. Thanks. Okay. Thank you so much. She's so easy in that way. You just ask her, and before it happens, you start hearing about a pulley system that could be invented to lower the dogs onto the street. I have fantasized about it, especially when it gets cold. So speaking of the conversation about... By the way, we have no water. 
Oh, the water's gone already? Yeah. Until when? I don't know. Until 5. Until 5, they're saying? So I have to hope oh, it comes back hell early? hell no. 5 oh, p.m.? Damn, bro. We, no, we need to know. Is that a p.m. or a.m. on that 5? No, it's, it's, it's p.m. And usually it comes back earlier than they say when they take the water out. Damn. That's trash. Some, that's Let me tell you BS. something. It's not always glamorous living in a Manhattan apartment. Listen, man, I love New York City. I love New York City. I love your neighborhood. But there's moments like this where, you know, the greatest city on earth ain't all that it's cracked up to be. That We, we don't let these secrets out <laughs> usually about moments like this. I know. Here it is. It says it's the tank cleaning. This is a reminder. Tomorrow, contractors will be in the building cleaning the water tank. During this time, there will be no water throughout the day starting at 9 until 5 p.m. Residents are encouraged to keep adequate spare water prior to this time period. Now, that's got where. This is New York City. Where are we keeping the adequate spare water? Does that mean I can't pee? Nope. Babe. Because you know why? Too? <laughs> because... I don't think it's gonna flush. Like if you got, you probably got. Did we one. already flush? Yeah, we have you one probably flush. Got one. Maybe. No then flushing. Instead, what you could do is like run a bucket in and like force it to flush. But then, will you get in the water for the bucket? That where you get in the water for the bucket? That's the problem. Um. So okay, after a long aside, uh, where we really, so, I, I'm sorry, you had traumatized like this. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Now, now, show. just remember though. Just remember, these days happen a couple of times a year, but then the beauty is you don't worry about stuff, and the homeowner stuff just kind of keeps coming over and over and over again. So, yeah. I'll say in the long run, convenience wise, the building is still a win. But I've had a few here. I had, I had the no. I had the no gas for a year. That was bad. Oh. No gas for a year, and then there was scaffolding right outside my living room window with construction for legit like eighteen months. Just like yeah. so, like you. It and by the way, that's all a racket. I, I don't. I have become one of those New York City conspiracy theorists. Like the construction and con, it is such a business, like an industry where millions and millions and millions need to be spent all the time. That yeah. like. They just they're they just have to come spend money at your building. They're spent your money your your building spending money. They they and by the way that means you're spending money. Yep. So you're gonna pay for this construction to happen, even if nobody understands what the construction is for. Um, I can tell you what happens after a scaffold comes comes down. It looks no the one same. Understands. I look up. It looks the same. I know. Now, in theory, listen. It's amazing that these buildings last for as long as they do. So I, I guess some maintenance does have to happen, but I don't know. I don't buy it. All right, so we talked about finishing maneuvers. I saw a quote moving around this week from an interview where Jake the Snake said he was disappointed in what's happened to the DDT. And I know the the easy reaction could be, hey, like we just talked about, calm down, Jake. Don't take yourself so seriously. Don't take a move in a wrestling match so seriously. But I'm going to say this. There has not been another move in pro wrestling that has been so disrespected as the DDT. And I mean, this, this, I mean, you, you can make finish. you can make your yeah. other. You, I'll, I'll allow you time to rebut other arguments, but here's my point: Jake's version of the DDT that that made it a thing was a thing of beauty. A, the way he did it, the the je ne sais quoi that he put on it made it look so legitimately effective as a finish that literally I do not have a recollection of a person kicking out. If you caught it, you're going down. That's it. Now, you may not catch it, but if he's able to grab you, wave that hand in the air, pull you in, boom, snap the DDT, the match is over. Right. The fact that, like, it's interesting. Number one, DDTs are done all the time now. But what's interesting, SGG, is 
No one does his version of it. It's all these other modified DDTs that really, I don't know if I've ever seen a DDT in this era end a match. It's just a thing that happens. I mean, honestly, no one's disrespected the move more. And I, I love this man. I don't want problems. I think you're about to, I think you're about to invite problems to our podcast. Has anyone this disrespected thing. this move more than Randy Orton? The second rope, it's not not really Randy, I guess. It's the people who don't stay down after Randy hits him with it. Yes, please put it on them because I don't want, I don't want Randy. Why why do we have have problems with Randy Orton? I love Randy. I don't want problems with Randy Orton. Love Randy Orton personally, professionally, as a wrestler. He's the man. The movie. I usually stand shoulder to shoulder with you, but if if Randy Orton, if you have a problem, Peter Rosenberg said it. No, no, no. It was dip. (laughs) Dip said it. Brian, uh, Brian Dippestein said it. No, no. So here's the issue. He innovated with the DDT. Uh, Randy did. The second rope DDT is a thing. It's its own dope thing. Yeah. But that's like even more impactful than Jake's DDT. And it never put almost, I mean, not never put anyone away. It basically never put anyone away. It was Look, basically I don't recall, a setup. I don't recall anybody staying down for it. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie. Just like I don't recall anybody ever kicking out of Jake's DDT. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think about it while you. So like it, it's not. And by the way, of course that's not that's not Randy's doing. I mean, when if I don't know who came up with the second rope DDT. If it was Randy though, someone at the time could have been like, "Wow, if you hit that, they stay down." They obviously didn't. It it was like, no, that's a setup move. Whatever. I don't know how these things happen. Well, he had the RKO in the tuck. So, but yeah, if you always got to get to the RKO. And by the way, the RKO, of course. I mean the RKO. We talked about this. They are the RKO is the most protected move of this generation. It's up there. I would go with the Baron Corbin's finisher. I think I only mean, one person kicked out of that so far. Yeah, and only and twelve have and, and only twelve have received it. <laughs> and one woman, he hit Becky Lynch with it. <laughs> True, but but Randy stayed out too. I mean, well, I mean Randy's hit. Literally like a thousand RKOs. There are not a lot of Randy hit an RKO on Hogan on a car in front of his daughter. That I I think is probably going to stand (laughs) as one of the legendary RKOs ever. He has so many. So you know the RKO is very protected. So I get why you wouldn't have something else. But I'm getting off the beaten path. It doesn't matter. Screw the, the. I like the second rope DDT. The point is though, in general, the DDT. Jake's right. Jake's right. That it's not a it's not a diss to Jake. What it is, SGG, is it's just sort of the wasting of a move. Like that should just be someone's finisher now. Someone should have a Jake the Snake like DDT where they hold them under the arm and deliver it quick and it ends you. I don't see why it's it's crazy that no one else has tried to really do it. But in this era, would that be so? First thing I want to say when you said no move, no finishing move was more disrespected than the DDT. I was going to nominate the super kick. Because everybody throws the super kick and, like, it doesn't. I mean, maybe when the Usos do it, it has that impact. But other than that. Nah, not really, though. They usually hit, like, five of them. Yeah, and even then, too, like, I guess that that little factoid strengthens your point. Because matches are still won with the super kick. Matches are not won with the DDT. So I'll give you that. but the other thing, too, is like finishing moves have evolved and have become so much more explosive and impactful. than Because think about when the DDT was putting people down, right? That pile drivers were putting people down. That leg drop was putting people down. Uh, Macho Man's elbow drop off the top rope were putting people down. Those moves are all getting kicked out of today. Every last one True. of them. True. True. A, a superplex, a superplex was putting people down when people were staying down for the DDT. All of those moves are getting kicked out of today. It's, great. it's a it's a great retort. You're you're absolutely right. There's a myriad of moves that don't get it. The only difference is the percentage that the DDT was at, which was like a hundred. Yeah. Uh, but maybe listen, maybe that was also part of Jake just being like, uh, yeah, this only happens at the end of matches. That's it. Yeah, because Baron Corbin even said too, like, I think somebody asked him in an interview, like, how how did you protect the end of days so well or whatever? He was like, if I knew I wasn't I wasn't gonna win, I wasn't gonna hit it. 
It's as simple right. as that. You're going over? Cool. I'm not hitting the end of days. <laughs> so that's, it, it's that's a great how, point. That's one way to protect it. Yeah, you can protect it every gonna... single time. And you know it's going to be all right. Now, shout out, by the way, to uh, one of our people. Um, one of the listeners sent an old episode email. They sent us links to like, let's see. Oh, I might need that. I'm afford it to you. Uh, David. Actually, SGG, I thought about doing that since you no longer collect stats. What I would enjoy you doing is trying your best to collect the cheap heat archive. <laughs> I will do my best. Um, at least, I mean, you could at least start by downloading everyone that's available from the last few years. Well, but those we are easy, yeah. But, we, but, but by the way, but we don't do it, and then they're gone one day, and you're like, damn. It happens to you quick. He sent episodes from... 2014, 15, and 16. Just a few from each. But it was an interesting experience just like tapping on them and, and hearing them. When did you come on board? 16? Um, 15? I think it was right after WrestleMania play button in uh, Santa Clara. Which one was that? 31? And that's 15? Pretty sure, yeah. I see I see an episode that was sent to us April 15th, 2015. Could that be it? I don't think so. I want to say it was like May 5th. Oh, not immediately after. Okay. So anyways, I want to try our best to collect. I really would love to hear the first one and the one when we came up with the name, when Shoemaker and I came up with Cheap Heat. Uh, I'm also still hard at work trying to put together this uh, Philadelphia event. Some conversations have been started, but I hope that within a couple of weeks I can seal this thing up so we have a peckerhead meet and greet uh, on Friday or on Thursday or Friday of Mania weekend. Um, yes, also, it was hard the other day, the sad moment on the Friday show when Dip and I read the words W-I-G- a-W-A-L, and we didn't know what it meant. Or W, W, hold on, hold on, hold on, this feels wrong. <laughs> hold on, the e, hold on. Mail. Hey, Peter, hope all is well. I was listening to Friday's show, and you read an email where a listener said, wrote W-I-G-A-W-A-L, and you and Dip couldn't figure it out, and neither could I at first. I believe it stands for wrestling is great, always with a life. I don't know that for mm. sure, but that's what came to me when you were trying to decipher the email. That does sound right. But is that what it was? I think you're getting it wrong. I thought, it was, I thought we figured it out later, and it was wrestling is great. And we love wrestling. That makes sense. Yes. It's W-I-G-A-W-L-W. -W. Wrestling is great, and we love wrestling. <laughs> I feel like he should have just spelled it out. Yeah. So, Alexander, it took us time, but some people on Twitter reached out and said, oh, this is sad. Yes, W-I-G-A-W-L-W. -W. Wrestling is great. And we love wrestling. I thought about it at some point yesterday during the opening credits of the movie, just yelling out, wrestling is great. <laughs> yeah. I don't you have know, I, don't, I don't have the When stones. they introduced the director, I, I, I want to stand, start a, thank you, Sean. Thank you, Sean, chat. But I don't think. <laughs> or, or we could always do the double, the double chant. We love wrestling. Wrestling's great. We yeah. love wrestling. Wrestling's <laughs> great. That's, by the way, if the cheap heat event happens, I want to have to stop the event like five times because the crowd won't stop chanting. We love wrestling. Wrestling's great. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be you got to do it. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're working mandated on that. with your ticket that you have to pledge to chant that chant at least five times. 
Um, everyone, we appreciate you. We will get to the mailbag later in the week for the There's Something Going On Friday edition of Cheap Heat. And then, uh, man, next week we're already in Thanksgiving and Survivor Series go-home mode. So, woo. Hope everyone out there is doing well. RosenbergBeats at gmail.com. We'll catch you in the Discord. SGG, uh, Brian Waters, Troy the Goy. Uh, you guys are great guys. Stay mage. Keep on loving wrestling. Because wrestling is going to keep on being great. Also, ladies and gentlemen, at this time, I would like to introduce... Shout out to that guy, Greg. Red Heart is the greatest professional wrestler in the history of the art form. Mage.